by Coleraine, my name's Hannah, and I'm the host of Coleraine's newest podcast, Hey Coleraine. Each week I sit down with a resident or city employee and talk about who they are and what they do to help the township function. You're about to listen to my interview with the Director of City Administration, Jeff Mills. My name is Jeff Mills. I'm the Township Administrator for Coleraine Township, and my favorite part of Coleraine that's a tough question. The people. So if you had like an elevator pitch of what it means to be township administrator, what would that look like? Oh my gosh, it is different every single day. I mean, I wake up in the morning and I think that I've got a plan for my day and the day always has a plan for me. Um, You know, I think that the biggest thing that I do on a daily basis, day in and day out, is communicate. Okay. Um, I, I sort of see my, my role uh, in the organization as, as, as a navigator. I spend a whole lot of time trying to understand um, the direction that different stakeholders want to go in and, mm-hmm. um, and want to see the township move in. And um, there are lots of different stakeholders in Coleraine. Yeah. Right? Why don't you go into what are, what are some of the big stakeholders and players? Sure. So, I mean, the township trustees are the elected officials that uh, set the policy and the direction for the township. And mm-hmm. Our job as staff is to execute that policy um, to the best of our ability, uh, but they aren't trustees aren't the only stakeholders in the community, right? There's um, many neighborhood groups. There are uh, individual residents and individual businesses. There are organizations that represent uh, individuals, uh, the Chamber of Commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our, our department directors, um, our staff, um, all of whom are here for a different reason and, and want to move uh, the township and in, into a different direction, and so my a big part of my job is to is to sort of synthesize all of that information yeah. and then operationalize it, right? Mm-hmm. Act as the liaison. Do you feel like you had a? I was reading through your LinkedIn. I'm sorry if you were a little <laughs> freaked out by the amount of time I spent on LinkedIn, but you had quite a journey to this spot. Do you want to go into that at all? Or sure. What that looked like? Yeah, it's a man. Life is an adventure, isn't it? So. Um, I don't know where you want to start, but uh, if we want to start back in college, I um, or even before that, I, I mm-hmm. grew up in Cincinnati. I um, went to Walnut Hills High School, which okay. is a, a public high school in Cincinnati. Yeah, and um, uh, uh, ended up going to the University of Cincinnati, uh, studying environmental studies. Um, had an amazing experience there, and after that, um, was. Uh, was not quite ready, as many folks who just graduated from college are uh, mm-hmm. not quite ready to, to jump into uh, the real world. And so I, I spent a great deal of time um, bartending and, <laughs> and serving tables and uh, saved up a bunch of money working hard doing that and, and got an opportunity to travel. And so um, that was an incredible experience and ended up coming back, going to graduate school at, at UC in the um, uh, College of Design, Art, Architecture, and Planning. Awesome. So yep. you're a DAP, yep. DAP person? I'm a DAPper, okay. yes. I think there's, a, there's a lot of DAPPers in Coleraine. There's a ton of DAPPers in Coleraine, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And um, so um, following that, I, I graduated into the Great Recession and um, applied for, man, I had a spreadsheet. Uh, it was like 60-something jobs all across the country. Oh, wow. Ended up getting one interview, and um, that was in Cayuga County, New York. And uh, mm-hmm. fortunately, that worked out. And I, was a, I started my career as a planner 
for um, uh, just an incredible place in the world, Cayuga County in the Finger Lakes of New York. Oh, awesome. Which is amazing. The, the most beautiful place. It, I yeah. I love, no one ever talks about upstate New York and oh. how beautiful it is, but I went to just like the mountains. Up, yes. Oh my God. Oh, the Adirondacks are incredible. Exactly. Oh, and the Catskills are beautiful too. This is not an ad for <laughs> upstate New York. They're not sponsoring us, right. but I will encourage everyone to go. It's not just New York City. No, it isn't. New York State is enormous. And um, I got to do a lot of really cool projects because it's so rural there. Um, a, a big interest of mine was um, sustainable agriculture and how that could be used for uh, economic development in rural areas. I'm a big, I studied abroad uh, last summer and a big chunk of that was learning sustainable agriculture methods, yeah. specifically in the rainforest of Australia. So I completely feel you when it comes to sustainable agriculture practices. That's awesome. Well, you might be interested. Um, there, When I was traveling, I was woofing, um, which is willing workers on organic farms and so we I woofed my way through uh, New Zealand for about eight months and uh, it was a pretty incredible experience. I'm so happy you brought up because <laughs> no one knows what woofing is because yeah. it's but I wanted to woof over spring break and then everything yeah. with COVID happened totally but I was supposed to go wolf in Scotland. That's awesome. And what were what were your wolfing projects, if I Oh my if I gosh, may it ran the gamut. Jeez, um, there was one place that we stayed the longest. Was a um, was it was actually a hostel, um, and they had a garden there. And but it turned into a very um, sort of non-gardening kind of internship where we were running the hostel for a while, which was pretty incredible next to two surf beaches. And it was just, oh, wow. it was really cool. But other than that, there was, um, stayed at uh, an eco village um, in, in the uh, North Island and um, stayed with uh, a family that just had a very small sort of plot, um, almost like just a family garden that they needed help with. And mm -hmm. it was just an awesome way to learn about the people and also pick up some skills for gardening, which I love doing to this day. Exactly. <laughs> and just seeing how different towns run. I'm sure yeah. that has affected your policy. Without a doubt. So Wellington was is an incredible city. And so is uh, Christchurch and Invercargill. All those cities are just amazing places. Um, but anyway, all those sort of experiences uh, sort of uh, accumulate and and inform the work that you do further on you don't mm -hmm. I guess I didn't really realize it at the time but it yeah. certainly did you can never separate those lessons they're, they're definitely become part of you and the way you look changes at it yeah do you think that background and environmental studies has changed your decisions when it comes to being a city administrator um well I think that so when I when I was at UC and I was studying environmental science um, or environmental studies, it was a very science-based program, right? And mm -hmm. um, and I do think that you know you can sort of I, I do feel like I use the scientific method a lot in in the work and apply it to the work that we do here, and mm -hmm. and I think that that's part of uh, some of the innovative things that we've done is a result of the marriage I think of the scientific method of observation and then testing and then uh, and then iterating over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, that marriage of that with um, some of the ideas of tactical urbanists, which is sort of okay. a way of um, of intervening uh, in the built environment in a quick, cheap, fast trial basis, ra mm -hmm. rather than spend huge amounts of money on something that you're not sure is gonna work. Yeah. Let's spend a little bit of money and test an idea and then tweak it and make it better bef and, and then arrive at whether or not it's either like, you know, it works or it doesn't. Um, I think that is a great 
I think a great representation of that that I've seen here is your use of GIS sure. for your mapping program. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. We are really blessed to have very talented individuals through all the departments, but in our planning department, um, you know, Jesse Urbancic is does a great job with our GIS and, and really is the hub of GIS for, for the township. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, other, you know, taking the long view on big problems is something that you learn when you're studying the environment. So when you're sitting mm -hmm. in a geology class, like, you know, you realize that sort of the scale of time and, um, and it puts a lot of things in perspective. Um, understanding the interconnectedness of things like mm -hmm. when you're studying ecology you understand that like what you do affects um, an awful lot and what what uh, you know yeah. an animal does affects its environment and um, and so understanding the sort of uh, political ecology is is or, or social ecology is mm -hmm. um, is really important to the work that we do I think yeah I could not agree more I've worked at cities previously and I think just from my ecology background, since I've taken away, is that a city is really, especially towns, are yes. really ecosystems. Totally, yeah. There's the same players, the yep. same needs. Right. And I think when you step back and look at that, it really helps to, in a way, problem solve. Yeah, but. and the a conservation ethic is something that we have in this organization, and it's it's a it's a idea that exists in the natural world too. That there are limited resources, right? Mm -hmm. And and so how do you make use of limited resources? Um, take limited resources and make the best use of them um, is a that's another takeaway from from environmental mm -hmm. studies time but um but anyway after being in at um being a planner in Cuga county i uh, had the opportunity i really wanted to come back to cincinnati this is where i'm from this mm -hmm. is where i'm passionate about like i love this this region and i got the opportunity to be the planning director in Corrine township and oh, that wow. was an incredible chance because i i spent every weekday from zero to nine years old on Clovercrest uh, in Grosbeck. And oh, wow. there's a very special lady that lives down there and, and um, she she watched me uh, and I have so many great memories of walking up Pippin Road getting <laughs> like, you know, to, there used to be a little um, uh, vegetable stand or market uh, that had bulk candy. And so, <laughs> so I used to go with my Nana up to, up to uh, get candy from that market and Corrine's always been a, a huge part of my life and so to be the planning director here was just an incredible thing yeah yeah that so way to give back yeah and I like that you brought up the candy the least vegetable thing <laughs> in the vegetable stand <laughs> without a doubt yes and uh then I I um developed a from the work that I did here and, and in Cuga County I was very and in in college, I was very interested in economic development. I got the chance to to practice economic development in Covington, Kentucky, which is a, just mm -hmm. an incredible city. Also, it's such a cool place. And on the come up, completely. Oh, without a doubt. Yes. they've completely redone the river area. It's amazing. It's amazing. So I got to spend uh, 18 months there before uh, coming back here in uh, in a different role as the assistant administrator and director of economic development here. Okay. And then um, when uh, Dan Malloy retired as a township administrator, um, I became the interim. And, um, and then ultimately the, the administrators. So. And here we are. And here we are. Do you think um, being going back into economics and then coming back here, how did that change what you wanted to do? Or did that just kind of further an interest for you? No, it, you know what I think it did was it allowed me to hone skills, right? So mm -hmm. um, Covington, as you mentioned, was, is on, on the rise. And so there were tons of projects that were already queued up mm -hmm. that I could immediately uh, sink my teeth into and and um, and learn you know the the skills that are necessary to make projects happen mm -hmm. and 
that's one of the things that I love about this work is that, you know, the work that we do, you can see it in the built environment. Like you can drive past it. You yeah. Know? I get to tell my kids, like I played a part in that project. You know, yeah. it's, it's a really, um, it, it, it really feels good. Yeah. Even those concrete yeah. productions. Right. And also just going back to science, I think here is even on a short term, you can see in five years, oh, this new area yes. has all these economic development and I put a policy or I put a... Yeah, I worked yeah. on that project. I worked yeah. with the developer to make that happen. And, and that is so impactful to a community, um, but also to the people that live in a neighborhood. I mean, and that's that's really what this is all about. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't get into public service to like be Instagram famous. You, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? There's no influencers <laughs> no, that no. are... You know, you get into public service because you want to make a difference in places that you care about. And um, and so that opportunity, um, I'm grateful for every day. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool. I think that has to be probably the best. I, I don't want to answer. That's one of the questions I was going to ask you. But I think just looking at my childhood memories in the town I'm from yeah. and being like, oh, the recreation facilities or the parks or the, all these places, I have such strong memories. Yes. I think that has to be like helping to build even in an indirect way that like you were responsible in some way yes. for the experience of growing up or raising a family in the area. Absolutely. And, and you know, one of the things that you learn very quickly in this work is that nobody does anything alone. You know, mm-hmm. it's um, everything is a team effort. Like economic development is a huge team effort from the architects to the bankers, to the developers, to the mm-hmm. township, to and it's the same with parks. It's the same in the police department. Um, everything is a team effort. And, and so um, it's an opportunity to collaborate with really wonderful people who are driven by a passion to serve mm-hmm. you know? and have that mutual yeah. mutual goal that's right yeah. yeah that's really amazing yeah do you have any other favorite parts of the job that you I mean you know getting to be a part of a team that makes a tremendous difference in people's lives is is the best part of this job I mean when people are hurt they call us and we help them when you know when people mm-hmm. are scared or they're victimized a victim of crime they call us and we we help um, you know when people are frustrated with you know, their neighbor having tall grass or whatever, you know, we're the ones that come out and, and, and help resolve that issue. We maintain the roads that people live on, you know, mm-hmm. and some of the stormwater infrastructure that keeps their houses dry. Um, you know, we get to drive investment into neighborhoods and, and work with others to drive investment into neighborhoods and commercial centers. And and then on top of all of that, you know, like I said, you get to work with great people. And so, you yeah. know, what, what more do you want? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome. So you briefly touched on there talking about hard times that people and being yeah. as a member of the city, getting people through it. I think right now is a great example of a hard time that we are all going through together. Yeah. How has the pandemic really affected city planning and city administration? Well, City administration, it's turned everything on its head. I mean, we've got an operation here that we had to, on a dime, convert to like a distanced operation, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and we were able to, to achieve that. Um, you know, uh, communicating um, correct information. There's lots of sources for information out there, but uh, making sure that the uh, that residents knew that we were there for them 24 seven. Um, is was really important. And so our communications uh, team, the sort of ad hoc team of, of, of employees got together and, and became the communications team and they just knocked it out of the park. Um, when it comes to planning, um, I think there's sort of short-term and long-term impacts. The short-term mm-hmm. impacts of the pandemic have been uh, the inability or, well, well, yeah, the inability to, to do um, 
to solicit public input in the same way, right? Yeah. We can't have neighborhood meetings like and, and talk to people about what it is they want their township to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, our planning team has done an incredible job and continues to do an incredible job of, of coming up with new and, and innovative ways of, of getting that information because right now we're working on a comprehensive plan. And Yeah. Um, has there been any um, different ways that you have been able to get community input that you didn't prior to the pandemic? Yeah, totally. So Mike Iona has done, and, and his team have done a fantastic job with um, with this sort of mapping application where whereby people can um, look at a map of Coleraine and drop a pin on a place that they either like or want to change and then share, mm-hmm. you know, what that change should be um, yeah. or why it should stay the same. And then, you know, we, uh, coming up, we have a partnership with... Um, with Jeff Steck and the Citizens for Civic Renewal, um, he's gonna he got a grant uh, and to fund his work, and and we're gonna basically have this virtual input session um, that has never been done in Coleraine before, and and mm-hmm. I, I don't know anywhere else. Um, but I think longer term in city planning, and you know, being distanced, I think has reminded all of us how much we need to be together. You know, mm-hmm. and and our parks right now are really the only places where people can get out of their house and go and enjoy like being outside in a mm-hmm. distance way. Yep. And we some sense of normalcy. Yes, totally. And see other people and like get that energy of being around other people, but still be safe. And our park, um, uh, attendance has just exploded. Um, and it shines a really bright light on the need for like common public spaces. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, that's, that's an area where Corrine, uh, needs to improve, like outside of our amazing parks, we don't really have like a central space to gather and, and like come together mm-hmm. and um, and sit and enjoy each other and, and a cup of coffee or a sandwich or whatever. You know, and, that's, and still have that safe ability to yeah. distance and totally. So I think that in the long term impacts of the planning of the of the pandemic on planning are going to be um, uh, a renewed interest in cultivating civic spaces. You know, I think that's yeah. That is the first time I think I've heard. I think that's a really great take on it. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. I just want to go back a little sure. because I am amazed by the sidewalk map, the interactive map. Yeah. I spent a lot yes. of time just trying to get to know Colerain and mm-hmm. prepping for these interviews. It is. Could you tell people where you can find this map? Sure. Right now it's on our website, Colerain.org, and. Um, I believe it's under the planning departments tab, um, under government planning department. And mm-hmm. then, um, but yeah, no, that was incredible. And it, it started with our, our previous um, uh, planning director, general account, and Mike has picked up right where she left off and taken it across the finish line with his team. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. And it's a, it's the first digital plan that, that we've produced, all digital. So um, in the past, a plan is a document that sits on a shelf and uh, not a lot of people are interacting with information that way anymore. Mm-hmm. And so um, he's taken this thing that's called a story map and um, and as the framework and populated it with information about um, where the gaps in our sidewalk system are, uh, prioritizing the, those gaps so that we can seek out funding for them, mm-hmm. um, talking about how to maintain the sidewalks that we uh, already have, and then how to fund all that. And yeah. I'm really impressed with that and the work that they've done. It's been incredible. It is. I am not the most tech-savvy person. I will openly <laughs> admit that it is so user-friendly. Awesome. You can flip through it. It's very... the. Each tab explains exactly what you're looking at. If you're not familiar with GIS systems or mapping, it also has a great system that highlights community needs. Yes. Where is a high place for disabilities, the elderly? Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's amazing. Yeah. Our goal is to, is to, our goal with the, um, 
the inventory and analysis of existing conditions is what you would say in planning school, uh, but of, mm -hmm. of the current um, environment uh, was to see where those gaps are and then to figure out where the community assets are that are not linked. Mm -hmm. um, so you're looking at libraries and schools and parks and um, and then those are the, the places that you prioritize. Uh, well, mm -hmm. those are the places that we've chose to prioritize because um, we feel like people deserve to be able to, to get to those places. Those are important yeah. places, especially yeah. family-friendly friendly places where maybe there's not transportation. Is there, like, what is a good example of that concretely? Yeah. What well, road yeah, so um, Northwest High School on Pippin Road um, doesn't have a sidewalk leading to it from Pippin. And, you know, there's mm -hmm. hundreds, thousands of kids that go to school there and many walk uh, to and from events or school yeah um and you know the fact that and there you can tell in a lot of places in our community you can tell where path you can tell where uh sidewalks are needed because mm -hmm. there are where paths in the side in the grass mm -hmm. so it's like a goat path and that's how you know like that's People where you are need telling to you yeah, exactly. with their footsteps <laughs> yeah. that here is exactly where this needs to be that's exactly right and so you know that is a very high priority um and we've applied for a grant um and i hope that by the time this airs we'll be able to announce that uh, we get that grant I'm, I'm very optimistic about it um but that would provide sidewalks from uh springdale to stout and um oh, wow. and connect northwest so yeah that's, that's amazing yeah. definitely if you have not already check out those maps I saw that you had a lead ap is that how you pronounce yeah, it I don't, okay it. yep what is that certification sure so it's an accreditation by um, the uh, United States Green Building Council, mm -hmm. and uh, it stands for Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design Accredited Professional. Okay. Lead AP. Um, what is the process to get? Do you want to go into yeah, that at all? Yeah, sure. It's a it, you study a lot. It's a lot of uh, you study a lot. There's a book. You study it, and then you take a test, and um, and then there's some uh, there's some continuing education, but. Um, I think the premise is is that sort of the built environment uses a tremendous amount of resources, you know, mm -hmm. and to build and create, and, but also to sustain over time, right? And so mm -hmm. the idea is, um, you know, the USGBC, US Green Building Council, offers one perspective on on sort of how to organize the built environment in a way that uses less energy and has a lighter touch mm -hmm. on the natural environment, and hopefully is less expensive to sustain over time. Exactly. You know, so. I mean, chlorine's been around for over 200 years, correct? Yeah, we celebrated last year our 225th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. so 225 more. That's pretty gotta cool. Build it to that, exactly. is, that is crazy mm -hmm. that it's 225. We were a township before Ohio was a state. Really? Yeah, oddly. Well, I, I really want to sit down with the Historical Society. Oh, that man. is my... Been. They're awesome. I hope if you're listening, yeah. <laughs> please reach out to me. I would love for you to come talk to me. I love city histories. Yeah. I am a, I have a weird uh, interest in odd city planning, sure. like the Green Town or Green Belt communities. Sure. Yeah, totally. Or do you have any weird bits of city planning that really do you uh, ever stick out to you or inspired you to go into city planning? Well, you know, honestly, like Coleraine Avenue, as I was growing up, I grew up very in a neighborhood very close to here in College Hill. And um, this is where we always came to do our shopping. And um, the way that Coleraine Avenue was laid out never made a lot of sense to me. And mm -hmm. um, I found that it, it lacked, um, you know, like unique identi identity um, because there's 
there's a Coleraine Avenue in many different places, you know, uh, Beachmont Avenue locally. Um, mm -hmm. But in every city, there's that auto-oriented sort of retail strip um, that is sort of faceless and personalityless, and um, yeah. and so. Um, uh, and also with the changing trends in retail, like I don't believe is sustainable. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, it's always been a, a big interest of mine to figure out like what's next for Coleraine Avenue um, yeah. for place and places like that. Because I feel like if you can unlock, you know, uh, the key to transitioning Coleraine Avenue today in 2020 to whatever it becomes next, like that's those are lessons that can be replicated throughout the country. And so exactly. Yeah. So. I don't know. So yeah, as that microcosm to it really, is. Yeah. yeah. But you know, if you know, I, I spend a lot of time studying cities and in, in planning school. That's what you do. And um, you know, the the big ones, you know, Washington D.C. and what Lafont did, and Paris and what Hausman did there, and and Oglethorpe and Savannah, Georgia, and mm -hmm. Barcelona. I mean, those are like amazing places. Yeah, right? I think the cool thing about city planning is you don't notice it until someone points it out to you, like sure. how how this is perfectly set up or. Yes. The it relationship, is so intentional. yeah, it is, and that's the thing: the relationship between the private realm and the public realm, right? Like relationship between the massing of buildings and the street and the width of the street, and mm -hmm. you know, those things are are all things that, like you said, if you, if no one points them out to you, you don't look for them. But once somebody does point them out, you see it everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, the little detail, also yeah. the little details that either cause you a headache, headache every day, right. or just make your life ten times easier. Totally. Totally, and and you know, in, in urban planning happens not just on a city scale, um, but also on like on a site scale. And mm -hmm. you know, we see that around here. Like Union Terminal is an amazing site, right? That was the designed. murals, oh, beautiful. It's incredible, and the way that the whole site was laid out, the the building and its relationship to the grounds are just amazing. That was like, mm -hmm. it was that Fellhammer and Wagner back in the day. And there's still people doing great work in urban planning on, on like the neighborhood scale in Cincinnati right now. I mean. Mm -hmm. Cleet Bankin and his group at MKSK. I don't know if you've been out to Blue Ash's Summit Park. I am. I live across the street from Summit Park. It's incredible. Yeah. It is. Like, I go there every day to run. Yeah. I am a big fan of Summit Park. It's unbelievable. And that's done by urban designers and planners today, you mm -hmm. know. And uh, Kevin Wright, um, who uh, was running the um, community redevelopment corporation in walnut hills neighborhood in, in cincinnati like mm -hmm. the work that they have done uh, he now has his own company called yard and company but um the work that he started and has been continuing is just amazing and like mm -hmm. so that's like you know we don't have to look at you know the 1700s in paris you know we can look at the right. 2010s in cincinnati and see great urban mm -hmm. planning what is really cool about what's going on in cincinnati with urban planning especially in reference to summit park is this kind of reimagining what a park yeah or what a city hub can look like. I mean, totally. you have stores, you have restaurants, All of it. you have the actual park, and then you're also, they're bringing in apartments and houses. Yes, because, you know, because they were very intentional, I think, about um, the folks at the city of Blue Ash who were visionary on this also, were very intentional about um, improving the quality of life for residents, mm -hmm. both immediately adjacent to the park, but also in the community, um, while at the same time using that investment to drive more private investment. So they spent a boatload of money on on that park, but it's you can see all around it that it's driving private investment in the, in the homes, in the businesses, and retaining um, businesses in Blue Ash by providing that amenity 
Yeah. Um, that's huge. And that's that's something mm-hmm. that should be replicated. It's being paid off yeah. just by the people who are coming into town to see it. That's awesome. A big part of Summit Park was this urban, this idea of urban living yeah. in the sub- suburbs sure. and having this walkable area. How do you think you rectify that with also this want to stay rural sure. in some people? Yeah, well, I mean, so that um, that tension exists always mm-hmm. in urban planning, always, always, always. When, and really, it's a it's an issue of change, right? And so um, I think that you have to be very clear and intentional about the direction that your community wants to develop. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one of the things that we saw, the, the remnants of, well, what's on Coleraine Avenue right now, I think, is the result of um, sort of unplanned development. Mm-hmm. And um, and so you can see that in the haphazard nature of how the buildings are laid out and, and um, and how kind of difficult it is to navigate. Um, but if you have intentionality and you say, you know, I want to retain our rural character over here, that's important to us, mm-hmm. then we can uh, create tools like the zoning resolution to, to preserve that rural character. Yeah. And if you want, you say, to, um, you know, to, to encourage development in places where infrastructure already, already exists, um, which is a big key to financial sustainability for the township. Um, you can do that by allowing for increased density in places that already have roads. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that tension, but where that all gets worked out is in conversations, community conversations with all those stakeholders that we talked about earlier. Exactly, um, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, pre- pre- preparing a vision for the community that everybody can buy into is, is hugely important. And that's how you get the character that you want in a community, I mm-hmm. think. What is your process, really, your day-to-day process of dealing with these this high-tension situations where maybe you have multiple stakeholders yeah. disagreeing? Yeah, so that's the nature of the business, right? Um, you know, you can ask 100 different people the same question and get 100 different answers. Um, I think that, you know, our job is to take all that, our job as staff is to take all that information, um, synthesize it, mm-hmm. uh, use the you know, knowledge and experience set that we bring as professionals, uh, professional planners, professional um, economic developers, um, professional police officers and firefighters. Uh, we provide that expertise to the to the elected board and, mm-hmm. and it's it's their decision. Right. And so, you know, we make recommendations, um, they make decisions and then and then we execute those decisions. Yeah. So that's really I, the process. I think that's <laughs> the hard part is there's especially in public service, you have everyone's voice matters yeah. and you have I mean, especially in the size of Colerain, sure. it's the second largest township in Ohio, correct? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Second largest by population. I still maintain that it's the largest by area, and that's only because um, the one that's bigger than us by area, my understanding is is that most of it is under Lake Erie, and so I don't count that. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Wait. That, you can't. That's a technicality. You can't you count can't that. Count no, that. No, no. Absolutely so we're the largest, not. The largest by area. But, man, when you talk to the... Um, uh, historical society ask them to t- tell you about the northwest purchase and how like um counties were laid out and townships were laid out within them because all of the townships in the northwest purchase were were supposed to be six mile by six mile squares really yeah and 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 then those are cut up into sections and um, that's why you see places like school section road and section mm-hmm. road and things like that it's because that was the the road that was this the boundary exact, yeah. yeah and um but in Coleraine because uh the western boundary of Coleraine is the great Miami River we got a whole lot more than the 36 oh. miles that were typically allotted but you know what Chris Henson and their that crew will, will tell you all about that mm-hmm. I'm <laughs> excited for it I've read their their pamphlets out there yeah. I'm I'm 
It's awesome. Korean <laughs> Historical Society, please answer my emails. <laughs> I want to interview you. How do you honor Coleraine's history in your day-to-day? Well, um, the history is really a rich history. And, and I'll tell you, um, the culture that the early settlers of Coleraine Township brought here has really um, maintained. So, like, um, the early history is, like, kind of a gnarly one with fights between settlers and Indians and Native mm-hmm. Americans. And um, uh, so that, that part was a little rough. But then there was this big wave of, of German farmer migrants uh, okay. that set up. And, and the sort of um, ethic and ethos that they brought, that sort of um, fiscally conservative ethos, uh, mm-hmm. still maintains to this day. I mean, it's we, we as an organization are incredibly lean. Um, we don't have a ton of staff that you see in other other communities, but mm-hmm. we do. Um, we value hard work. We value innovation and doing a whole lot with as little as possible. That's something that, though our community has changed drastically over the years, um, those sort of core values still maintain, and I think it's really neat mm-hmm. to see. Um, but it's, over time, our community has, has changed, and it's also been really cool to see all of the this sort of cultural value that, that um, newcomers, you know, since 1840. (laughs) (laughs) You have an extensive amount of volunteer experience. There's a lot about community involvement. Yeah. So why don't you go into your your volunteer experience, the boards you sit on, all of that. Yeah. I, like I said, it's such an incredible opportunity to be in a um, situation where I can, where I have something to offer, right? I've, Mm -hmm. I've been able to do this work for long enough now that I've got a set of experiences, hopefully, that add value to to, uh, to organizations. And so, um, and I also selfishly just love being around people that like to give back, you know, yeah. like it, that's, uh, I, I really enjoy that. It's <laughs> so, a special culture when yes. you're with people who have a common goal, yeah. but are also just doing it out of the goodness right. within. Yeah. Totally. So, you know, right now, one thing I'm really excited about is, um, uh, I hope to begin service um, soon uh, as as a trustee of the um, Ohio chapter of the American Planning Association. Mm-hmm. I uh, am the executive director for the Corrine um, Community Improvement Corporation. Uh, I do a lot of work with um, the Urban Land Institute locally. I'm on the mm-hmm. Regional Products Council and their Mission Advancement Committee. Um, I serve on the, the chamber board here in wow. Corrine. And then... Um, I serve on uh, a couple of uh, county boards, um, the uh, Hamilton County Communication Center Advisory Board and mm-hmm. um, the Community Development Advisory Committee. Um, and I've done work in uh, a ton of other organizations. It's, it's fun. I love it. It's an opportunity to, to make a difference and an impact. And, um, and I just I have a hard time saying no sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Southwest Ohio, I think, is such a cool area. Yeah. There's so many different places that there are to give back. Yes. And also just the coolest people yeah. that you get to meet through. I mean, I've done a lot of service throughout the city, and I have met just the most interesting, yeah. awesome individuals. Absolutely. And that's something that, look, like, we need to do more of, right? Like, I think that there's been a trend in our culture to to do less of that, and I think that we need to really lean into, like, 
service in our neighborhoods, service in our mm -hmm. city, in our state, um, on national, if you, you know, if you can make a, an impact on a national level, that's incredible. But like, it starts with like in your neighborhood, like on your block, you mm -hmm. know, like organizing your block to, to do something to better the neighborhood. And we've got a, a, a ton of great examples in Corrine Township, probably most notably in, uh, in Northbrook um, with a greater Northbrook, they are doing incredible work. And it's just mm -hmm. people that care deeply about their neighborhood and want to make it better. And we need more Ex more people in organizations like that. Exactly. It's what makes it function. And also you just get personally so much out of it of you get to see new ways of life and yeah. experience different experiences that shape who you are. Yes. And then you get to maybe give it back to your professional life. That's right. And you get outside your bubble, right? Like, I mean, you, you interact with people that you wouldn't necessarily get to interact with and um, mm -hmm. and and learn from them. Um, it's huge. It's huge. It's awesome. So this Northbrook group. Yes. What are some examples of things that you know they're up to? Oh, man. They've got... So um, last year, they developed a strategic investment plan and um, and actually... Wow. Which is amazing. And our, our board uh, of trustees adopted it. And so um, we're, they, I mean, there's like, there's a laundry list of projects that they're working on. Mm -hmm. um, most recently, uh, some examples are, well, before the pandemic, they used to have these awesome pop-up picnics where they would just like show up and throw a picnic and get to know neighbors and that sort of thing. That's which was, amazing. Which I really love cool. that idea. Yeah. They've, they've done these, uh, we now offer a tactical urbanism mini grant. Mm -hmm. um, to folks in Corrine Township, if anybody has a, a cool idea for a tactical urbanism project, um, they can apply for up to $500 and then um, and then execute their project. And one of those projects um, that was awarded was one of the uh, folks, Lori in um, Northbrook, wanted to um, put down this rain-activated paint. Mm -hmm. So on sidewalks, and so like. You know, it says like you know Northbrook Pride, or like you know, you know, I don't know, have a great day, or whatever. Yeah, just nice little messages. Yes, they only come out when it rains, and so you can't see it like on a regular day. But you know, on a, on another day, you can. It, it's raining or it just rains, you can walk by, and, and there's this like awesome. secret message that pops That's up. That's amazing. I've never even heard cool? of rain activated. I love that. It's so cool, and they're working on pollinator gardens and community gardens, and they have a vision of. Um, of being sort of a, a, a butterfly haven in the mm -hmm. neighborhood, like the, making the neighborhood a butterfly haven. And so they've got all these ideas of, of putting in, you know, plants, installing plants that will attract butterflies with the idea that, you know, maybe there's a lot of butterflies one day that just hang out in Northbrook. Then, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. take a stroll and see. Totally, yeah. Do you have any other examples of that grant and different ideas maybe you're looking for with yeah. it? Well, um, we have a really great resource on our website um, with a ton of ideas for what tactical urbanism is and what a tactical urbanist uh, project looks like. Um, if you scale that idea up a little bit, one of the things that everybody doesn't like is speeders. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes speeders, right? The and, past of local... Oh my gosh, speeders are the worst. And so um, we were looking at different ways um, to you know outside of like speed bumps and speed tables which have mm -hmm. their own issues we're looking at like different ways to deal with traffic calming and so mm -hmm. one of the ideas that um, we saw from other uh, in seattle was this thing called a chicane and it's like it's basically like an it creates an s curve in okay. in the roadway um, mm -hmm. with like three islands and you and it basically um, makes everybody slow down and navigate this sort of pay attention almost, yeah like an obstacle right and so that's a huge dollar amount to install like 
with concrete and rip up a road and put in. So we tested the idea. You know, mm -hmm. we were talking about this earlier with the idea of like the scientific method and tactical urbanism. We tested this idea by buying like $200 worth of hay. Okay. And we put these blocks of hay into the roadway along with a bunch of signage that said hey watch out there's this thing up ahead mm -hmm. you know and and we and we installed it we've got a ladder truck to come out and make sure that like the fire trucks could still get through um and uh and lo and behold we did a study beforehand to set a baseline for traffic and speeds mm -hmm. and then we kept uh gathering data during the intervention and compared the two, and you're not going to believe it, but it slowed traffic down, and oh, wow. people liked it. Are and we so, going to see S-curves in the, the so, future, maybe? Right, or? and so now, um, so the trustees approved a, a design uh, contract, so this thing is, get, is now in engineering, it's getting designed, and then, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully next year, this, a permanent chicane gets installed uh, on Laura Linda. So wow. um, that's an example of a larger scale tactical urbanism project that leads to, you know, the test an idea, um, and determines whether or not it works and then leads to a, a bigger investment with more impact later. Yeah, and so. a notable, notable change. Yeah, that totally. That is awesome. I like these, I feel like Coleraine really specializes in these like innovative ideas that maybe are like has been tested somewhere else in the country or even nowhere. Right. And then really putting them in place. That's something that I strive for all the time is to create a culture and and maybe it's continue and enhance a culture of of innovation because you know long before i was here coring township was innovating i mean probably the most um successful example of that uh is our quick response team which mm -hmm. is now a national model for dealing with uh opiate uh, addiction and abuse oh, wow. and um it's based on the premise that like we have to start caring about people first mm -hmm. and not like treating it as a crime, but treating it as a person that has a really intense problem. And yeah. I bet most people would prefer not to be addicted to opiates. Oh, right? for sure. It's, so, a, it's a disease. Yeah, it's totally. Not... So what we do is, you know, after there's an interaction with EMS or police that involves uh, addiction, um, a quick response team goes out within 48 hours, and that's a police officer, a firefighter, and a social worker. Mm -hmm. And they sit, they knock on the door and say, hey, you know, a couple of days ago, it wasn't a good day for you. You know, what, here are some resources that, um, yeah. and so we tested that idea based on just caring about people. And lo and behold, it freaking worked. It worked, <laughs> like not just worked, like it works really well. Mm -hmm. And so now it is, um, literally a national model. I mean, you know, Wheeling, West Virginia, I believe, uh, all oh. across the country, they're using the Coleraine Township quick response team model um, as a way to to make a big difference on this, this horrible issue in many of our communities. In fact, that program just won a national award um, uh, from the International City Managers Association, the okay. Local Government Excellence Award. Congratulations. Yeah. That, that sounds like, I think that really highlights the humanism and the empathy. You have to have it. Yes, exactly. absolutely. Yeah, you cannot, these are people uh, first and foremost. And, and like I said, I don't think that anybody wants to be addicted to this stuff. And so, so anyway, um, there's that. We also just won a, an innovation award from um, the American Society for Public Administration uh, for a traffic calming library okay. that, we, that we created. So, mm -hmm. um, so we worked with the Center for Local Government um, here locally and created this first an inventory of all of the traffic calming devices that like eight different communities that are a part of this library have mm -hmm. and then um, any community is able to check out like one of those traffic calming devices to mm -hmm. test in their neighborhoods um, yeah. so it's sort of a shared services model um, all about it, collaboration yes, again and right totally 
because we can't do nobody does anything alone. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so anyway, yeah, those are some some of the ways in which we innovate, and it's really difficult to innovate in the public sector because there is um, there's such swift and uh, loud cries uh, when something quote unquote fails. Right? Mm -hmm. If something doesn't work, like if you test an idea and it doesn't work, I don't think that that's failure, right? It, yeah. it just means that you've tested something, it didn't work. So like, let's iterate, let's use that scientific method and iterate and tweak learn it. Learn from it. Learn from it and move to the next thing. Um, and that's that's an innovation culture in an organization. And it's really hard to do in a public setting because um, because you know there's always gonna be folks that, that scream, you know, that's a failure, that was a waste of money, like mm -hmm. that. But really what it is is that it's an evolution of, of testing and trying new ideas to provide better service. And how to move it forward. And how to move it forward. And so what I hope that we're doing here is, is providing our employees and our residents with these tactical urbanism mini grants to test ideas and create that culture of innovation um, in, our, in our organization. That's awesome. Well, we are about at time. Is there anything else you would like to say or maybe highlight? No, that this has been fun. Thanks Thank for doing for this. Coming. Anna, this is so First cool. Episode. I'm really glad that you're doing this and I can't wait to hear um, I can't wait to hear all the people that you get to talk to. Me too. I'm ex the, just the people I've met in the building. I'm excited. I think we have a lot of great episodes in Good. store. Awesome. But we have some great things in the pipeline, but Sweet. Um, thank you for coming on. Thanks, Anna. Appreciate it. Okay.